Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, I'm the resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. Welcome. It's so great to be here with you. Special shout out to Gabriel, our youngest yogi in the house. Looks very focused and ready for some free writing. And also a special shout out to the amazing yogis who brought our practice into their lives over the past couple of weeks and commented on Marco Polo about how focusing on the space between the breath impacted their practice. Um, so thank you so much, Dharma, for sharing. Thank you, Yogita. That was so inspiring. Yogita shared that it was um, it was really challenging to have awareness between the spaces of the breath, especially when she was doing physical activities. So she actually took special time throughout the day to bring focus there while she wasn't doing other things and then allowed that space to expand and support her and increase her inner awareness. Um, also, Ananda Ma, and Anju shared. So thank you guys for making this real. Um, that's really the goal of Study Buddy is to plant these seeds of inspiration. <laughs> oh, what's that, Yogita? And focus. It helped my. I have trouble with focusing on things, and and it, it's helping my focus both inside and outside. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I think we could all benefit from more focus. So thank you for that inspiration. Um, and Ow. the fun continues. This week, um, Satyam will be presenting on what he's calling becoming the third eye of the hurricane. Um, so let's shift over to Satyam, wherever he is in cyber world. Watch you go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so the previous sutras have told us that we can find Shiva in all the different phases of reality. And as Bob pointed out in uh, sort of Bob Barker style last time, those phases were creation, maintenance, oh, I was going to test my spelling, and disillusion. So Shiva can be found sort of as your, be you can find that spark of Shiva as you're beginning a task. And I think that's actually where we mostly do encounter it. We're beginning a task, we get our mantra going, we're into the thing. Uh, and then there's this huge space of awareness available uh, in the maintenance phase of that task, right? Like during the course, so over the course of your day at your job, or like during all the dishes at the sink, right? And then there's the disillusion phase where something starts to come to an end. And that is also an aspect of Shiva. It's also a place that you can feel and really connect to your true nature. And so the last couple of sutras have been teaching us that each of these phases is like a way in and even the space after the disillusion phase, meaning that gap or the space between your breaths or between your tasks. So we've been talking about that for weeks now um, and working with it. Now, the yogic tradition is at its nature a very scientific pursuit, as we have talked about before. The original te text of yoga, the Vedas, uh, can be translated as literally meaning the science, you know, or even the knowledge. Um, and so 
At the end of the last sutra, Shemaraja, who is the original commentator from a thousand years ago, trying to teach us about these sutras, he uh, asks his students, who he would be sort of hypothetically speaking to, this question. Um, Annapurna, uh, well, it looks like you got a lot on your, on your plate there. I was going to have you read the screen section. Uh, I'll, I'll let you be for now. Gita, would you read the green section for us? If that's um, big enough to read, thanks. If this, if, if this yogi feels that the universe in creation, in protection, and in destruction is the expansion of his own nature, then would not his nature be changeable? It would definitely change. In creation, it would be one way, in protection another, and in destruction another way. Therefore, as his original state of being would occasionally change, the essential nature of the self would not remain unchangeable. And the next sutra answers this question. Thank you, Gita. And as usual, please just take a moment for any kind of sort of visual, more text-based learners to read through that. So in case that seems confusing at all, it's very, it's actually very simple. It's trying to almost pose the hypothetical question there, did you know? Um, if Shiva is in this phase and then he's, they are, Shiva is different in this phase and then Shiva takes a different form in this phase, it seems like Shiva is always different. Uh, it doesn't seem like Shiva is this eternal, unchanging principle of reality. Like that's this hypothetical question. Um, because we just spent a few sutras saying, hey, look at all these times you can encounter Shiva in these different phases. And it says this next sutra is going to answer that question for us, saying, yes, you can encounter Shiva in all these changes of reality. But just because all these realities uh, make it appear that Shiva is changing form and looks different, um, Shiva themselves is an unchanging, eternal aspect. Uh, and that's us. So let's jump into this sutra. It's pretty exciting. Um, Uma, um, well, actually, you know what? Let's pronounce it together first, and then I'll have you read the, the translation. Um, if you look at the screen uh, of my notes, I, I split up the text because I found this to be almost overwhelmingly challenging to, to pronounce. But when you break up these long terms, like they do in the Guru Gita for us, uh, it's pretty approachable. Um, so let's try it. Tatpra. Vritta, Vritta, Vapya, Nirasa, Nirasha, Samvet, Tribavat, Tribavat, Tatspra, Vritta, Vapya, Nirasa, Samvet, Tribavat, Samvet, Tribavat. Excellent. And so you can have fun with that on your own once. And then Uma, if you want to read the translation for us. Although he is determined in creating, protecting, and destroying the universe, even then he is not separated from the real state of his subjectivity. 
So the word determined here is, is interesting, and I, I find it to be a very good use of the word. Um, it sort of shows us that our work as yogis is going to be in the realm of the world. Like we are going to have to. It is predetermined that we will encounter our practice amidst these fluctuations of reality. Okay, it is determined. Or you can interpret it like this yogi is just simply determined uh, to, to, you know, have a body and a mind and senses and, you know, just like it's just our karma. And, uh, and then from there, but within this swirling, this sort of the metaphor of the, of the class, this swirling sort of hurricane of thought and sensation that surrounds us inside and out, we're never truly separated from this eternal stillness of Shiva, which is our true nature. This true nature of Shiva is described here as the, with the word subjectivity. Oops, over here. Subjectivity simply means um, that it's not like an object that can be pointed to, okay? That your, your true nature is, is not like outside of you. Um, it's not an object you can mentally grasp or physically grasp, right? It's something that only you can realize. And when you realize it, it will be a completely personal experience. I love, love, love that. I feel like I've just learned that through these sutras that, that has just dawned on me uh, from the last month, few months of sutras. And I just find it to be so deeply empowering. Um, and so here we see that word again, that subjectivity. You're never truly separate from that true nature that's within you as you. So this sutra begins by simply telling us uh, that, well, we've already gone over together, okay? That uh, this world is uh, full of infinitely changing experiences that are being created, maintained, and dissolved just cycles within cycles within cycles over and over. Hey, right now, we're at the beginning, the creation phase of this class, right? But you're within maybe the dissolving phase of your day, right? So it's like you're within so many layers of reality at one time. Um, so that's just one quick example. Um, and, uh, and despite that, no matter how many layers of this is swirling around us, like a hurricane, layer after layer, we're actually in the middle of it. And in a very scientific way, the sutra tries to explain this to us. Um, it says that if we weren't in the middle of it. If we weren't this fulcrum around which all this stuff is revolving, it says none of this stuff would exist. It would have no center point around which to spin. So we are essentially the eye of this, this hurricane or this sort of storm of sensation that surrounds us. And it, says, it tells us that in this sort of the, uh, an interesting way. Um, I don't have it highlighted. I'm just going to like sort of summarize this so we don't spend too much time. We can get to the juicy parts together. Basically, the self is a part of us. Our true nature cannot be created or destroyed. Okay. And I think we can all sort of nod our heads to that. Like, okay, I, you know, I'm on board with that. But the self is, is not something that just comes or goes. It's eternal. There's something more than just those fluctuations. The world or the storm of the senses in the mind 
is constantly creating and destroying constantly your day is full of nothing but those three phases so if the self cannot be created or destroyed but all these experiences that we're having are constantly being created maintained and dissolved then the self must be beyond these sensations It's also written in this sutra in another way that's pretty fun and, and sort of interesting um, about the, the doer and the done. I thought that was a fun way to put it. We're told that we're the doer, okay? And we're always doing stuff throughout our day. The doer cannot be created or destroyed. Only the stuff that you're doing follows in that, that, those footsteps. When we over-associate with what we're doing, right, and that thing we're doing comes to an end, then we feel like we're coming to an end. But the text says that's just because we've forgotten our true nature. It doesn't mean that we are actually coming to an end. So, Davey, if you wouldn't mind, do you want to unmute and read the yellow part for us? Yeah, uh, this is written in Spanda. In the two states, which are termed doer and done, the aspect known as done is destroyed while the aspect known as doer always remains and can never be destroyed. Only that force, which is the effort to create that which is to be done is destroyed. But when that force is destroyed, ignorant people cry, saying, we too are destroyed. Thanks, Karika. So when something's coming to an end and you're sitting there watching it happen, you can take a breath in that moment and be the observer and identify more with that. It's only natural that we get pulled into our tasks, that we get pulled away from this eye and into this swirl, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that center point is not there. It just means that we've lost our center and that's a part of our practice. And so we can see in this last um, section, it touches that on that uh, point exactly. So Vimy, do you want to finish this up here with this last yellow section? In the absence of the other agency, you can't say the introverted state is destroyed. If in the state of ignorance, you are not aware of your reality of self, you cannot say that the self is destroyed. It is not destroyed, but because you are not aware of it, you remain away from it. Thank you. I, I felt a deep, I felt like a fondness for this moment in the sutra. Just the acknowledgement that we, across millennia, share this experience of feeling lost or feeling like our world's coming to an end. Um, and that this is a shared experience 
but that just because we have that experience doesn't mean we ever are lost. Um, we're just, it says it puts remaining away from our center. So our work is to be the eye of this hurricane, um, but not just the eye, right? Because that's the physical. And there's nothing wrong with the physical. It's just we can't stop there. To, to be the, and I know it sounds, might sound a little funny or a little cheesy, to be the third eye of the hurricane. Um, and what that simply means is just to practice having that uh, awareness um, that is slightly separated from the material world that we're maneuvering and that we're moving through that's spinning around us. And to be perfectly honest, as I worked in this sutra, um, I did actually find that the space of the third eye was a really helpful focal point as I navigated through my day. Um, there's no doubt we are very visual creatures um, that we have incredible vision, literally. Uh, it's like one of the most advanced features in our organism. Um, and that a lot of our awareness is up in our eyes. And that just having that space of awareness right, right between the eyes, right in the, in the forehead, was a really simple way to stay slightly detached from the work um, that was happening in front of me without losing any awareness. Um, on the cushion, you know, we definitely have been in, will, instructed to, to go even deeper though, and to bring that awareness down to the heart um, as really more, even more of a fulcrum around which this reality spins. Um, but in day-to-day -day life, it, it, it did actually really served me and I look forward to continuing to work with it. Um, so right now, let's take a few minutes to just sort of work with this as an introductory moment. We'll do a little bit of free writing and then, you know, we'll continue with our, with our class structure. So um, from wherever you're at, just take a moment to resettle into your seat. And you can allow the eyes to close. If it's late where you're at, of course, you know, keep the eyes open if you're feeling a little sleepy and just softly gaze forward or if that just serves you in your practice right now. And just take a moment to smooth out your breath flow, making it simple and even. Swallow and then allow the tongue to sort of draw back, teeth just barely touching, and the tongue sitting back behind the teeth, up towards the back of the roof of the mouth, and, and allow that to also allow you to lengthen up through your spine, through your base, uh, feel a sense of buoyancy. And if you'd like, the slightest of smiles will actually help to open up that space between the eyes and that space between the shoulders. One of the factors that really identifies the eye of a hurricane is its stillness, especially in comparison to the swirl of the high miles per hour that are happening around it. So be easy on yourself, but 
simultaneously experiment with the value of stillness. There's no grip in true stillness. Just like our practice of the heart, it's a state of surrender, of alert relaxation. Again, with the teeth just barely touching and the tongue sort of lifting up towards the back of the roof of the mouth, you can feel this upward lift through the base, through the heart, through the spine. And allow that to also inspire that slightest smile, not for me or anyone else, but just to support you, just to support you in your stillness. It's almost like turning the on switch instead of having to hold up this body. As the text tells us, we are determined to live in this swirling reality. So there's no doubt, there's a reason to move. It is predetermined that we must discover stillness within the context of a moving world. A moving body. So let your practice be so simple right now. Invest in the value of stillness. This experience is uniquely your own. No one can truly do it for you or tell you even how. Bring your awareness to that center point, that entry way into our subtler half, the third eye. And just allow that to define that center line of your experience of the body. And and swallow and bring your awareness down towards the throat and allow the inhale to bring your awareness down again to the heart all along this center line 
allow the navel to soften even as you remain upright and feel a sense of energy there. Just a potential And notice how bringing your awareness to this subtle body allows you to separate from the physical body a little and actually support your stillness. This is the eye, the third eye of the hurricane. It's a space we're totally capable of bringing our awareness to. And it's not a rejection of the world around us or the body we live in. Notice that finding this awareness allows you to relax that physical body. It takes the miles per hour of the winds there down. And you feel this eye, this third eye of the hurricane, this subtle body within the physical. Allow your eyes to gently open if they're closed and see if you can feel this space within you. When you look at the eye of a weather system, it's free of clouds. You might even say it's empty. It's free of obscurations. And so hold your awareness in this space. 
and allow yourself to just describe it in the form of a short pre-write to describe either your experience of finding it, your challenges, your successes, or the actual experience you're having in this moment. Remember, it's determined that we must learn how to find the space amidst the fluctuations of our life. So I encourage you to search for this space as you write for just a couple minutes about your experience, keeping it simple, keeping it real. I'll just put a couple minutes on the, on the screen. Taking one more breath into this space in the middle, and as you sort of finish your thoughts. And taking a moment to simply read back through what you wrote and underline a key word or key phrase and then just share it in the chat box and we'll take a couple minutes to discuss. A river dissolving into stillness, expansive and gentle, like beneath the ocean waves. 
soft and easy. Flow. Not this or that, but here and now. Quiet versus silence. Hey, cat. Does anyone want to expand on their keyword? And I'm going to take us out of spotlight mode. Hopefully everybody can click into gallery mode for just a few moments. Oops, that was not how you do it. <laughs> okay. All right, Dharma, I'm giving you the floor. Thanks. I didn't put a word in the chat, but I, <laughs> I, I'm working with this hurricane, um, you know, like the weather report of the hurricane. And sometimes uh, the meteorologist explains about what's happening in the hurricane and they do it with diagrams and, and there's sometimes there are arrows and it's showing the pressure that systems are going in and that there's sort of opposing forces. And I'm curious now to see that, that eye of the hurricane is like, is the pressure sort of ascending and upward rising? Because, you know, they talk about hurricanes over warm water. It's sort of like it's feeding the yeah. system. And I'm sort of just imagining that that eye, even as a place of stillness, it's like there's this energy maybe sort of flowing upward absolutely and a lot a lot and if you wanted to jump in you just let me know um and i feel like a lot of people's keywords well i wouldn't say a lot i just see the word radharani flow you know and feeling that this stillness is not empty you know a river from gita expansive and gentle like waves from uma so I think a lot of people felt what you were talking about, um, that there's, there's an ascending energy within this space of stillness um, that we definitely still experience uh, a fullness in a different direction, right? And Baba is always like the difference between horizontal and vertical. So this is, a, this is how we, we do it. Thanks, Dharma. Oh, go ahead, uh, Abaya. I just, oh, here I am. I'm floating in a bubble, kind of like Glinda. Um, hi, Dharma. I wanted to reply, Dharma, because in my experience just now, as I was listening to Satyam's guided meditation, I was like, ah, like, this is so nice. I want to stay in this relaxing, soothing, centered place like I could almost feel the resistance of like oh I don't want that swirling right like I want to stay right where I am and as you were talking about the ascending energy it kind of made me excited where it's like oh okay we find this center on our cushion and then when there is that swirling instead of it being this challenge that's uncomfortable it's like this potential of like wow the pressure allows us to ascend it like makes a new level possible that might not 
be available to me when I'm just seated calmly on my cushion. So thanks for the inspiration that I can open and not feel so resistant when the winds start to pick up mm -hmm. a little as they inevitably do. <laughs> Thank you, Maya. And, uh, inverted tornado of sorts. Yeah. Mm. Radharani, my eyes keep going to you. Yeah, did you want to say anything? I don't know why. Uh, well, my work was flow, but I was looking at it. I was looking at it at a different, from a different angle. I was looking at at changes and how, when I say flow, is more like looking at my life and how I feel I've been a constant. Even though my personality has changed, my circumstances had always changed. I have different groups of friends than I had 10 years ago. I'm not the same person in terms of the personality, but there is a constant inside. And it's almost like you're look, I'm watching at a river flow. Mm. And if I want to stop the flow, that's when things get tricky. But if I can see it and watch it go, uh, I feel like I can dance with it instead of trying to stop it. So I was looking at these more in terms of, it's, it sounds a lot about changes to me, you know, and resistance to change. And the objective world will always be changing no matter what. Even if we don't do anything, we're getting old just by sitting here, <laughs> you know, we're a couple hours older now uh, than when a couple hours ago. So there's always gonna be a change. And, but is, is the objective world not inside? I'm always the same inside. I don't know, <laughs> That's, yeah. that was what I, you know, came out for me when I was reading these and, and doing the free ride. Yeah. I think you really touch on something that I've heard come up at different points, you know, how people, you might get older, um, but you still feel the same inside as you did when you were eight years old or 12 years old. There's still something you, you can't quite horizontally explain it, but we're like, we're still there, you know, um, it's still that purse somehow. Right. Um, but uh, we, uh, something, everything keeps changing around us. And there's no doubt that we're, we're growing and we are changing. And that's the part of this non-dualism that just can never be put into words, how there's an eternal, unchanging aspect of reality. And there's also this ever-changing, infinitely changing aspect of reality, and that they're not separate, um, and that they really do work with each other. Um, and they are two halves of the same whole. Um, so yeah, there's just a, and I, and I think we can all feel that that's the thing you can feel it. We, we feel it. You can't explain it, but I will say just in day-to-day -day life as working in preparation, you know, and working with the sutra, it was, it was so empowering to just have this motivation that says, just, just stay, uh, the slightest bit detached, you know, from this external world and just have a little bit more feeling going on inside and it did help the this the third eye area you know i'm not saying it's perfect and i'm not saying it's a 
verified practice, so to speak. You can just play with it and feel it. But it was just like this little, little separation, this movie screen feeling and uh, hard to put into words uh, why it was so effective, um, but it really did empower and, and um, nourish, you know, Gita. Uh, kind of ta to tag on to what you just said and Rad Ronnie just said, um, it's kind of that feeling of separation uh, was one of the ex feelings that came up for me while, while we were doing this exercise. One of the things that um, that little bit of separation, I kept going back to the words creating, maintaining and destroying. And life is full of that. And so if you, when I can kind of sit back and not be grasping or rejecting and watch things unfold and then dance with it or be with it rather than try to manipulate it, um, nothing lasts forever. And so there's always this recreation, things come and go. And there's, um, in a way we're, recreating our external self, whether it's finding new friends or new jobs or whatever, but there's still that profound place with that big self inside us that is eternal and permanent. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's that watching without grasping and being curious about what's going to emerge and what's gonna go away. Thanks, Gita. It's always a pleasure to hear from you as such a long-term practitioner, and you're always so pragmatic and like practical in your approach. Thank you. Yeah, I think that it's it's almost like we know that's the goal, and then this next half is motivating ourselves to 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 do it, and not with doership, but with surrender. You know. And so maybe we can take this last 15 minutes of class together to sit again. Um, and I'm always happy to stay a little bit after for questions or comments, or that's also what Marco Polo is for, um, for the continuing the discussion. Um, but I want to make sure everybody gets sort of their full evening sit in. So we'll do another session together. Um, feel free to shuffle your seat, right? Right, and so let's let's sink back in to our seat, and we'll we'll start there and, and go from there into our next level. And I apologize if anybody else had a uh, a comment. Please feel free to stay on afterwards, and let's, let's hear it. And so just begin by slowing down the breath just a little. What does that mean for you? Swallowing allowing the tongue to just gently suction up and back, lifting from center, from base through crown, balanced on the head of a pin as Babaji puts it.
Um, this is something I always cue. It never gets old. You know what I'm going to say. That slight smile generates a buoyancy of both physical and spirit. And it really points you in the direction of the heart. And so allow yourself to employ that. And allow yourself to just sit in this space without too much direction. And just sort of feel with where your practice is taking you with the circumstances of your reality without pushing back or pulling in right away. Occasionally come back to that buoyancy of your seat and your spirit. And from this place of observation, feel the breath flow coming in through the nose and visualizing it up over the third eye, the coolness down the throat towards the heart. And just feel this pathway. And do that again and again, simply and gently. And the next time you breathe towards the heart, allow your navel to gently relax and allow your awareness to draw all the way down the front of the body towards the space below the belly button and interior to the body.
try to do it with a little less effort. And feeling this deep center within us, effortlessly, no need for any intense pranayama. And you can allow your mind to focus on the mantra, hum as you inhale, sa as you exhale. And allow the space of the mind to become empty, like a funnel leading down to this deeper center within you. A space beyond words, beyond senses, yet not beyond experience. Use a little less effort and allow yourself to experience something beyond your grip, beyond your direction. Imagine this as the center, as the eye of a swirling reality. 
some space of eternal stillness, clarity, potential. And as the sutras say, your true nature, the true you, Swallow, relax again. This is not a space of effort or direction. And it's a space of surrender and experience. Feel the fullness of your breath without taking a deeper breath.
Maybe next inhale, allow yourself to just crack open the eyes a little. And see if you can feel this vast space inside of you, even while the world is all around you. And so that's where we'll end for tonight. So I implore you to dive into the sutra on your own if you haven't yet. It's a good one. And also find that third eye of the hurricane as you're moving through your life, which might always not feel stormy, but is definitely all around you. So um, thanks everyone for your focus and your sharing and your attention. Namaste. Have a great uh, rest of your week. Thanks again for coming. Jai Jai